It's November 25th. It's Thursday. Thanks for making Real Talk uh, part of your day. This episode, we're not going to keep saying this. We're not going to keep doing this. It's not really how we roll, but it's it's early enough in season two in our second year that, that I'm able to pin it down. Season two, episode two. Yes. Presented by the team at Bitcoin Well, the fastest and safest way to buy Bitcoin. It's non-custodial. They send your purchase Bitcoin directly to you. They don't hold it. And most online exchanges don't do this. Like you go, well, I have ShakePay on my phone. They don't sweat ShakePay at Bitcoin. Well, why? Because ShakePay, you got it. There's red flags everywhere. They're hanging on to your Bitcoin. You got to ask for it. Kind of defeats the whole purpose, doesn't it? Non-custodial, safe, reputable, quick, and Canada's first publicly traded Bitcoin ATM company. So you know they've been vetted this way and that way and the other. You can find them under the Sponsors tab at RyanJesperson.com. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. We've got some meaningful conversations coming up today. In just under 10 minutes, we're going to talk to Hamed Ishmael Young, He's experienced tragedy. He's experienced loss like very few of us could ever wrap our minds around. He lost his wife. He lost his daughter, 42 and nine years of age, respectively, when Ukrainian International Airlines flight PS752 was shot down over Iran. You know, there's a a closed door military trial happening in Iran right now. It's not like anybody really has access to that. And and quite frankly, I'm not sure anybody really feels like that trial will have much repute. We'll ask Hamed when he joins us, but he's been working. Much of his life's work now is as a spokesperson for the Association of Families of Flight PS752 victims. And they've just released a report. uh, The Lonely Fight for Justice. And we're going to ask him about that. This is a story. You remember early January of 2020? This is right before COVID-19 kind of swept across the planet. And, and of course, everybody started thinking about other things. There was that week, though. I remember it because I was vacationing with my family. We were taking a week off and we had a cabin out in Jasper, as a matter of fact. And I remember two things were happening right around that time. Kobe Bryant and his daughter were among those killed when a helicopter went down outside Los Angeles and then flight PS 752 and the world was mourning. And of course, then everything grabbed our attention. And, and, and what was maybe lost on us is the fact that hundreds, if not thousands of people who lost immediate family members, their nuclear families were torn apart by this tragedy We're left wondering when, if ever, would justice be served? And we're going to be talking about that in just a moment. Later on in the show, Arno Kopechki is going to join me, uh, an environmental journalist and an author based out of Vancouver. His latest book, The Environmentalist Dilemma, Promise and Peril in an Age of Climate Crisis. Arno also wrote a piece for the Globe and Mail just a couple of days ago, and we want to get into that. It's an opinion piece. The B.C. flooding isn't just a regional catastrophe. It's a warning that climate change is coming for everyone. This will be part of our comprehensive coverage of what's going on in British Columbia, which, of course, affects the rest of the nation and i'm looking forward to that conversation with arno Uh, prairie catering presenting eat your words that's coming up later in the show and this is one i'm eager to get into this is oftentimes uh, two or three minutes through the week where i go i got some commentary on something i think it'll be a good fit for eat your words so that's coming up and how can we ignore we certainly will not the verdict yesterday three men in georgia found guilty On charges of felony murder, Travis McMichael, Greg McMichael, and Roddy Bryan in the cold-blooded and heinous killing of Ahmaud Arbery. Now, obviously, we're not showing the video on our show, the video that I'm sure some of you have seen. It's horrific. A man, an innocent man, 25 years old, oh, and black, out for a jog, clearly unarmed. He comes upon men in a truck on the side of the road. They struggle. Arbery is shot, and as he tries to run away, collapses. Well, following their conviction of felony murder yesterday, Ahmad Arbery's mother, Wanda Cooper Jones, had this to say. They would come. But God is good. Yes, he is. And I just want to tell everybody, thank you. Thank you 
for those who marched, those who, who prayed, most of all, the, the ones who prayed. Yes, Lord. Thank you, guys. Yes, Lord. Thank you. And now, now, Quez, which, I, which you know him as Ahmad, I know him as Quez. Yes. He will now rest in peace. Yes, this is an interesting comment from the defense team. This was outside the courthouse yesterday. The team representing uh, Travis and Gregory McMichael and, and Michael, uh, William Bryan, who they call Roddy Bryan, uh, this is what they had to say following the verdict. The Glenn County jury has spoken. They have found them guilty, and they will be sentenced. And that is a very disappointing and sad verdict for myself and for Bob and for our team. But we also recognize that this is a day of celebration for the Arbery family. We cannot tear our eyes away from the way that they feel about this. And we understand that they feel they have gotten justice today. We respect that. We honor that because we honor this jury trial system. Isn't that an interesting angle? Don't you feel like that defense attorney is almost saying deep down inside personally, I agree? Don't you think? Don't you get that vibe from him? He says, we're disappointed, which you expect to hear from the defense. Well, you expect to hear it from, you know, in our parlance, in Canadian, you know, we we expect to hear a crown prosecutor or a defense attorney on the losing side of a verdict say, we're we're disappointed. My client is disappointed. Sure, there's that. He says, but we recognize there's celebration from the other side, from Mr. Arbery's family who feels like justice has been served. He says, we respect that. He says, we honor that. And we respect this jury system. Wow. One of the most notable and powerful faces, voices when it comes to justice, when it comes to the fight for racial equality in the United States is the Reverend Al Sharpton. And he also noted the fact that this was a jury trial. Here's what Reverend Sharpton had to say yesterday. You hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That justice hold on. can come. Yes, sir. This mother would tell me, Reverend, we're going to win this. When I had doubts, she kept praying. This father said, we got to get some justice for my son. And let the word go forth all over the world that a jury of 11 whites and one black in the deep south stood up in the courtroom and said that black lives do matter. Let it be clear that almost 10 years after Trayvon, God used Wanda and Marcus's son to prove that if we kept marching and kept fighting, we would make you hear us. We got a lot of more, lot more battles to fight, but this was an important battle today. This was proving that our children know their value. And that's why those people that march, I'm talking about the people here that was here when nobody else was here. They stood up. Georgia will go down in history as the place that criminal justice took a different turn. The place that criminal justice took a different turn. Now, if your circle, your friends, the people that you talk to are the same as mine, probably within the first few sentences of the discussion about this verdict, you're probably talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse acquittal, too. And you're probably talking about that verdict and you're probably stacking them up against one another and and talking about the work that remains to be done. And and what many people believe was a a gross injustice in that other verdict. Uh, This is a a story, a a reality that we continue to keep an eye on uh, with regards to the editorial direction of this show. And it's also an area where we'd be really curious for your comments. We see a lot of people leaving them on our live chat right now. And and you can always send us an email to talk at Ryan Craig says, you know, I think it sounds to me like that defense attorney does agree with the verdict. You know, lawyers have to defend their client no matter how abhorrent the crime is. It doesn't mean that they that they may agree or disagree completely with the client personally. Haas says to me, it sounds like deep down inside they respect the system. 
Meantime, Mark, who's watching in from Utah this morning, says it's crazy to me that it took protests to even get charges laid in the first place. Fair enough. Jillian quite rightfully says if there was no video, there wouldn't have been any charges. In fact, charges only came because the video was leaked. The DA, district attorney, still didn't plan to lay charges. Jillian says, I've heard the black assistant DA is the one who pushed it. You can let me know your thoughts. Coming up in just a moment, we're going to talk about Flight PS752, a horrific tragedy uh, and, and one that continues to impact many, many families, including Hamed Ishmael Young, who's going to join us in just a moment. I've been telling you how excited we are to partner with the team at Poppy Barley. You can check out their incredible men's and women's shoes, boots, and accessories online right now at poppybarley.com. They're an Alberta-based company, female-founded. It's it's a new kind of luxury, right? Fair prices on products you wear on repeat. I can tell you even the members of this team, when we're wearing our Poppy Barleys, we're wearing them every day or every second day. Here's the deal. They're, they're based out of Alberta, but they partner with family-owned factories in both Mexico and Europe. They sustainably make footwear, accessories, and homewares that last season after season after season. And they're a certified B Corporation, which means they meet the highest standards of verified social and environmental performance, transparency, and accountability. It's the triple bottom line of people, purpose, and profit. And they do Black Friday a little bit differently. I want you to know about this. Rather than having a sale, they leverage one of the busiest shopping days of the year for good. So they donate 100% of their proceeds up to $15,000 to a charity. This year, they're supporting Water First and its mission to address drinking water challenges in indigenous communities. You can shop for good this week at Poppy Barley stores in person in Market Mall or Southgate Center or online at poppybarley.com. I also want to remind you about our friends at Athabasca University, Canada's online university. And I know right now a lot of people are saying, well, I don't have time to sign up for university. I don't have time for a full course load. Keep in mind that you can do your schooling from anywhere. So while the kids are at figure skating or hockey practice or, or maybe they're at their weekly music lesson, while you're in a hotel room maybe for work travel, it's easier than ever to incorporate schooling into your life when you don't have to work around a particular time and most especially a particular place. AU fits your schedule and your life at AthabascaU.ca. Well, this is one of the great tragedies. This is a story that is difficult to talk about even today. A couple of years almost after Ukraine International Airlines flight 752 went down, a scheduled international passenger flight flying out of Tehran into Kiev. 167 passengers on board and nine crew, 176 fatalities. Two of those people were beloved family members of our next guest. Hamed Ishmael Young is a spokesperson for the Association of Families of Flight PS752 Victims. He tragically lost his wife and his daughter on that flight. The organization just released a report on the incident titled The Lonely Fight for Justice, an investigative analysis of the downing of Ukraine International Airlines flight PS752. Mr. Ishmael Young, kind enough to join us this morning. Welcome to the show and thank you for being here with us. I'm sure that this subject is extremely painful to talk about and I appreciate and so deeply respect your willingness to join us this morning. As you prepare for an interview like this, how do you prepare your head and your heart? Good morning, Ryan. Uh, thanks for having me. It's it's very difficult, actually, to be ready for the interviews, especially when you have interviews back to back, and uh, to just uh, you know have a have peace in your mind when you talk to the media is the hardest part because you want to talk about something that took your whole, whole life away and. Uh, but that's my job, and uh, I have accepted to do that for the families as a representative of the families, and I have to do it. 
We can see for those that are watching this interview on YouTube over your shoulder, a, a beautiful image um, looks to me. Is, is it a sketch? Is it a painting of your wife and daughter? Would, would you tell us about them? Yeah, my wife, uh, uh, I'm a dentist. She was a dentist too. Uh, we kind of grew up together. We, we uh, met at college in Iran um, um, 26 years ago. And uh, then uh, we immigrated to Canada 2010 when my daughter was six months old, Rira. Uh, she would have been 11 today if she was with us. And uh, so I lost both of them uh, uh, on PS752. And uh, just what I've done so far in the last two years was fighting for them, for their rights to leave and for their right to be with me. But uh, it's still ongoing. When you talk about this fight, um, th there have been so many fronts on which your organization, this Association of Families and others, including foreign diplomats representing Canada and other nations affected by this, uh, have tried to ensure that justice is being served, starting with securing the crime scene, the, the scene of the crash. I mean, that's where it has begun. But there's been so much since then. And I know that the fight is, is far from over. On which fronts do you personally fight? Uh, you know, the, the most important things, uh, Ryan, the important thing that's understandable by public is in this crime, the investigator is the murderer. The people who, you know, the authorities who murdered these 176 people, they took their role to do the investigation, the safety investigation and the criminal investigation. And the whole world, the whole all the affected countries, the IKO, I mean, the International um, uh, Civil Aviation Organization, all of them, they stood silent and let it to be done. So that's why we're here now. The safety investigation was done by Islamic Republic of Iran, and it was just full of lies and deceives. And then the other, the other groups tried to give us some uh, information, like the forensic team of Canada, Mr. Goodell's report, uh, Dr. Agnes Calamart from UN, and none of us, none of none of these reports, basically gave us any any information that what really happened on January 8th. And uh, still, we don't know the truth. And this is the first time I, I can tell that the families of victims in an in an aviation incident had to prepare a report, provide a report. In the last 76 years, in the history of IKO, uh, no country has shut down his own plane. This is the first time this is unique. And uh, based on Annex 13 by IKO, the country of the crash has responsibility to publish the report, and the country of the crash is the murderer. So uh, then it fell on our shoulders to get the information from aviation and military experts, from the families, from witnesses, from informants, to put them together. And we try to document this crime. I think that's very important and that's very unique. If you go back, Ryan, to the history of aviation, in 1988, Lockerbie bombing in Scotland, that was a Pan-American 103. And uh, uh, British government and US government did a very thorough investigation if you go back to MX-17, like seven years ago, you remember that Malaysian airplane in Ukraine was shut down. The Ukraine delegated the investigation to Netherlands, and they did a very, very good job. But for us, the governments, they stood aside. They don't, we don't even have a criminal investigation. Ukraine is the only one who opened the criminal case, and here in Canada, RCMP has refused to do so. Uh, what yeah. why do you think that is? I mean, I, I, I wanted to ask you a little later in the interview. I'll ask you right now with regards to the, the response from the federal government here in Canada, the response from the RCMP or CSIS or what have you. Can you take us into to your association, your, your group's correspondence with them and why you believe they've not done an adequate job in your assessment of representing these families? You know, we, we as an association, OK, we represent 140 families and we came 
to to RCMP in a good faith to just have the full cooperation with them to have the testimonies. Okay, first of all, they waited about 11 months to start the interviews with the families. You, when you do investigation about a crime, you have to do it right away when people their their memory is fresh. But they started that in November November last year. I know that they have conducted uh, interviews with 57 family members in Canada, but they had to pass this information to Ukraine, and they haven't. And uh, we have had several meetings with ministers, uh, even RCMP Commissioner Commissioner Lockheed twice. My understanding is that, that there is no political will to open a criminal case for the second worst terrorist attack against Canadians in the history of Canada after in Air India. That's the political will that is missing here. And uh, now me as a Canadian citizen, I have to go to Ukraine and ask them to take this case to international criminal court or have a domestic court in Ukraine. Can you imagine 55 Canadian families go to Kiev to have a court in Ukraine instead of Ottawa? That's our fate in future. This report, I want to ask you to take us into it, among other revelations, accuses Iranian authorities of tampering uh, with phones and tablets and other electronic devices, misidentifying the remains of some of the passengers killed on that flight. Uh, Can you explain to us how this report came about and in your mind what the most notable findings are? In other words, what's most important and I hate to ask you to prioritize, but what's most important with regards to the relevance and the significance of this independent report? Okay, so uh, I, one of the phones is my wife's phone and my wife Apple Watch. I got them um, uh, f- from Iran. They said, this is your wife's. So I gave them to our, I, for one year, I didn't have the courage to touch them, honestly. And then I gave them to to. Uh, RCMP. It was in the hands of RCMP for seven months, and after seven months, they said, "Okay, we can't do anything because they were so damaged." And I, after I got them, so I gathered some. Uh, we gathered some phones and laptops from other families too, and gave it to a, a private investigator who had the capability to to do this investigation. And the the result was shocking, that uh, this damage to the phones is not consistent with the crash, that they have removed communication cards, memory cards, they destroyed them. So why why they did, why did they do that? They wanted to hide something. So uh, then with other information that we have, that we know that the uh, operator of the uh, air defense unit was an experienced person, we know that the, this misalignment and this misidentification story is absolutely false and it's fabricated by Iran. We know that the passengers of the uh, flight have been asked in the airport if they have American passport. They wanted to be sure that there's no American on the flight. So we know that the bodies of the victims were mishandled after that. Even the DNA test was not properly. When we put all this information together, I think you can make another conclusion that this flight was shut down deliberately by the Iranian regime and uh, we don't know what was the scenario. We don't know what was going on in their minds because it's very difficult for us to read the minds of the criminals. And uh, I'm very, I'm very uh, disappointed with, with Canadian forensic report that they fell for the story of 105 degrees misalignment. And we disagree with Minister Al Gabra and Transport uh, Ministry that. They, they said, yes, this, this report is very similar to the Canadian government report. No, it's not. It's not very similar. The conclusion is different. The way we looked at the, uh, this crime is different. And our sources are completely different. I want to say something to you, Ryan. Uh, a forensic report by Canada, they say they got this information from intelligence. And they treated us like a strangers that we should not have an access to intelligence. So there is no backup. There is no references. These passengers of the flight, if you remember, majority of them were doctors, dentists, PhD students, master's students, bachelor's students, very talented people. And I can tell you the family members are the same thing. The team who, pro- who provided this report, nine family members plus six aviation and military experts and five uh, legal experts, the nine family members, all of them, they have 
background in university and research. So we are not people that uh, just say, okay, let's write a report. No, we didn't write the report. We produced this report based on the information. Hamed, uh, just a few days ago on Sunday, an Iranian military court began a hearing over the military's admitted shooting down of this passenger plane. Um, and I know that families of victims and, and lawyers have attended that session, uh, representing over 100 legal complaints. Uh, the judge presiding over these military hearings says that he hopes the court will issue a precise, quick and serious verdict based on a reasonable, fair, transparent, clear cut and strong procedure. Do you have any sense that that's even remotely possible? First, I have to say the families who participated in that court that day, they are all aware of the situation. They know the Islamic Republic of Iran very well. They just want to show to the world that there is no justice in the Islamic Republic of Iran. That's their fight. And if you see, before they go to the court, they gather in front of the court. And I can tell you all the uh, military agents, military personnel and plainclothes agents of IRGC were besieged to suppress them, oppress them in front of the court. They, they had body search three times to let the families get into the court. And uh, they didn't let them to take the photos of the victims. And finally, after negotiation, they said, okay, bring them, bring them in. And the guy who was reading the indictment is the same guy that six months ago told them, we killed them, good thing we did. So that's the guy who wants to give us justice. And finally, the, the, the court session, the hearing session, ended without any conclusion because the family's objections and the lawyer's objections, and they said, okay, uh, let's do it another day. So we don't believe in any justice in Iran, and that's why, and that's a criminal procedure. So that's why we need a criminal court in Canada, in Ukraine, in ICC. People can check out ps752justice.com to view this report, to support you, to learn more about your efforts along with the other families involved with this association. I'd like to read a portion of a letter that you posted publicly. You wrote it to your daughter on that Web page to your beautiful daughter, Rira. You say, I promise you, I'll keep your memory alive no matter how forgetful they are to the United Nations, to the embassies, to the International Civil Aviation Organization, to the parliament. I will write to whomever is willing to hear my plea for justice. I will do anything. I'll go on strikes, send emails, meet officials, anything. I will put my entire being on the tip of this spear. And with all my strength, I will aim at them, at their deceit and their malice. I don't know how long this journey will last, but at the end of it, I will reunite with you. So long, sweethearts. What will justice look like to you? I just want to say this photo I took from her was in Tim Hortons uh, three years ago before her concert. And uh, she was like, uh, oh, dad, you take a photo again. And she doesn't want to look at me directly. One of those dad and daughter moments. Okay, so uh, justice for me is that those people who did that, who killed my wife, my daughter, another 174 beautiful souls, uh, they have to pay for this. We need arrest warrants for the high officials of Iran, Supreme Leader of Iran, the IRGC commanders, National Security uh, Council members, and we need we need to take them to IKO, to uh, ICJ. Yesterday, there was a statement published by four countries right after our report. And uh, there is another disappointing moment for me because they gave Iran another chance. And they said, okay, you haven't negotiated with us, negotiated, negotiated with us, and we give you till the end of the year. Okay, if Iran comes to the negotiation table till the end of the year, what should we do? Wait for another six months for them to play these uh, delaying tactic games and things like that? I don't know. They have given Iran a lot of time, two years. You know, Ryan, they have asked me and other family members to stay calm and be patient. But I have run out of patience. Two years to just for a momentum to start this legal procedure. This is, this is long, and we don't even have an impartial investigation 
this is lacking here. And IKO job was to do that. And the government's job was to do that, but they didn't do it. Please, I ask everybody, go to ps752justice.com slash docs and, and read our report. If you see any conspiracy theory there, you can blame us for conspiracy theory. They're all facts. They're all facts that support that Iran, what Iran did to the families, the human rights um, uh, abuses, like the, the, the way we came to this conclusion, the way they, they opened the airspace that night, the way they didn't cancel the flights, the way they treated the families, they, they, the way they treated the protesters. There are lots of people in prison right now because they lit candles for the passengers of PS752. And we want them to be released right now. But do you see these governments, they put enough pressure on them? No. Do you see that IRGC, the entity who did it, is in terrorist list in Canada? No. Do you see that they freeze the assets of the officials of Iran in Canada? No, they don't. There, is, there are tools, the Magnitsky sanctions here in Canada, if they apply them on top officials in Iran, all the assets of the top officials of Iran can be frozen here in Canada, but they don't do it. And the other countries, UK doesn't do it too. UK has another issues with, with Iran and they step back and they don't want to get involved. That's my understanding. Ahmed, why do you think? Why do you think? What's your theory? Why, why, why do you think there's such a, an, an inadequate response? Okay, so let me tell you something. Yeah, after this, you you mentioned uh, coronavirus. I don't think that we deal with the pandemic of coronavirus. We deal with pandemic of politics. Mm. In instead of standing for people, for for their rights and standing the right of the history, they just talk about diplomacy and but sometimes diplomacy doesn't work. Sometimes you have to put pressure. Sometimes you have to be firm and resolute. But they don't. They don't think the same way that the families of the victims think. They don't listen to the voice of the victims. And they go to the negotiation tables, they shake hands, they smile. And all of them is because of politics and economy, Ryan. That's it. That's why the voice of the victims won't be heard. Dr. Hamed Ishmael Young lost his wife, Parisa's daughter, Rira, after they traveled from Toronto to Iran for a 12-day trip for Parisa's sister's wedding. And on their way home, their passenger flight 752 was shot down. Hamed, I do not have adequate words to bring you comfort, but I can make you a promise that we will not forget your wife, nor your daughter, nor this story. And you will have an ally with this show and this audience until justice is served. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, sir. Thank you, everybody. Thanks. Bye. And thanks to everybody who participates in this conversation i know these are heavy i'm two inches away from bursting into tears when i read that letter from a father to his daughter hearing him i did not know it was her birthday today she would have been 11 today just a a, a beautiful young girl with her entire life ahead of her nine years of age when her life was snuffed out 176 souls on board not one survivor uh back on january 8th of 2020 you can send us your thoughts anytime I'm grateful that people show up for these conversations. This is so important. This is this guy's entire life taken from him. And I have so much respect for those families that are facing unimaginable circumstances. If your family uh, were devastated by tragedy, let alone human inflicted criminal activity like this, and you had no support, no justice, no credibility to the investigation, no seriousness around any court proceedings that may come as a result. Can you imagine the unrest you would feel? I mean, can you imagine? I mean, it clearly fuels his resolve and the resolve of the more than 140 families, he said, that are a part of that initiative. And again, you can find it online again at flight752justice.com. Our friends at McBain Camera want to remind you, and we know that the holiday season is fast approaching. You want to make somebody's day. Black Friday sales are on at McBainCamera.com right now. And that includes the Fujifilm Black Friday sales where you can save $500 on the Fujifilm X-T3 camera body. This high-performance premium camera 
We guarantee it'll become an inseparable partner in your artistic journey. It features an evolved processing engine that really improves the camera's ability to track moving subjects. It's great for shooting sports. It's great for shooting wildlife, right? Subjects that have autofocus, speed, and accuracy on the list of things that you need. It's only $13.99.99 right now for Black Friday. McBain also great photo gifts for the holidays. You can visit them online at McBainCamera.com to see a full list of the Fujifilm Black Friday deals. McBain, create to inspire. Our Real Talk Wine of the Month this month, bit of a big name. It's the team at Brewer Clifton. And, and of course, that team is steered by Greg Brewer, named the 2020 Winemaker of the Year by Wine Enthusiast. I recommend personally the Brewer Clifton Santa Rita Hills Chardonnay, and I'm a real Pinot Noir guy myself. If you are too, you will love the Brewer Clifton Santa Rita Hills Pinot Noir. Ask for it wherever you buy your fine wines. If you happen to shop at Wine and Beyond, you'll be interested to know they've got the ex post facto Syrah exclusively at Wine and Beyond. But don't forget, you can ask for Brewer Clifton wherever you buy your wines. Our friends at Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food want to remind you they know that maybe not everybody's ready to make the switch to raw. If you're still feeding your dog kibble, but you want to make sure that your pup is getting the right nutrients, you want to make sure that that diet is as full as it needs to be, check out their blog, check out their Instagram for great tips on things you can add to your dog's kibble. And, And hey, maybe today, don't take my word for it. Sam, why don't we check our Twitter real quick? What about this one from Victor, who wrote in, he tweeted to me just the other day. He said, hey, we were introduced to Grand Dog through your show, Ryan, through Real Talk. Now both of our dogs are on full raw, and it's way cheaper than what I was getting in store. That's awesome, Victor. You can find him online at granddog.ca. And don't forget that with the promo code REALTALK, they'll take 10% off your first-time order delivered directly to your door if you're in Calgary, Central Alberta, or our hometown of Edmonton. Well, each and every Thursday, right around this time, we have an opportunity to invite somebody walking planet Earth to eat your words. Presented by our friends at Prairie Catering. You've probably seen the flare-up out of Victoria last Saturday at a rally, an environmental rally. This is going to lead really nicely into our talk with Arno Kopetsky, by the way. Famed Canadian environmentalist David Suzuki was talking about the future of the environment and energy and the economy and pipelines. And he said this to Victoria's Czech News. We're in deep, deep doo-doo. And they've been telling us, the leading experts, for over 40 years. This is what we're come to. The next stage after this is there are going to be pipelines blown up if our leaders don't pay attention to what's going on. Uh, the next thing that's going to happen is there's going to be pipelines blowing up. And some of you are going, well, that's not that bad. I mean, it's obviously hyperbole. And others of you are going to go, what are you talking about? This is like the godfather of Canadian environmentalism. And when he hints at something like that, it's essentially a directive from the top. I mean, David Suzuki wants everybody to go all Weibo Ludwig and start blowing up pipelines, right? Well, Alberta's premier, never to miss an opportunity to take a big swipe at either the CBC or David Suzuki or both had this to say a couple of days later. Here's Alberta's Premier Jason Kenney. He said in February of 2016, quotes, I really believe that people like the former Prime Minister of Canada should be thrown in jail, quote, unquote, not for corruption, but because of a policy difference. When Donald Trump called for uh, Hillary Clinton to be thrown in jail, he was rightly mocked, ridiculed, and vilified. But what's the CBC's response? To give him even more uh, contracts to help sustain his four houses in which he lives as an environmental hypocrite. Yeah, so, I mean, absolutely outrageous, right? For David Suzuki to call for Stephen Harper to be thrown in jail, right? Not for corruption, but for a policy difference. I I thought, hang on a second, Jason Kenney thrown in jail. What was that speech again that he gave at the Oil Sands trade show? Remind me, Sam. Well, they know they couldn't get away with this in Vladimir Putin's Russia. In fact, you know, Greenpeace did do a protest on an offshore rig Uh, in Russia, and their crew was arrested and thrown in a Siberian jail for six months, and funnily enough, they've never been back. I'm not recommending that for Canada, but it's, uh, it's instructive. It's instructive. Do you think they'd get away with this in the Bolivarian Socialist Republic of Venezuela? 
or Saudi, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, or the Islamic Republic of Iran, we all know the answer to that question. <laughs> if we were playing the Jason Kenny drinking game on Real Talk today, David Suzuki, CBC, Iran, Venezuela, socialism, we'd all be hammered. Let's be honest. And then, of course, there's Jason Kenny's good buddy, W. Brett Wilson. You know, the guy that leaves all the orphan wells around all over the place. The guy was at the UCP AGM this weekend. They got a shout out from the premier from the podium. When we're talking about political hyperbole, who could forget this from W. Brett, right? He's, he's talking about Gerald Butts, uh, Justin Trudeau's best friend you know former top shelf guy in the pmo says we used to hang traitors for treason you know not that that has any relevance here responding to a kenny tweet so then jason mark of mclean says well here's a short history of of brett wilson hankering for a hanging and, and and brett comes back at him and says oh you're missing a few ones hanging lynching all of them get to the same point those who commit treason are traitors they're not welcome in the canada you love the canada we love and so people are going well hang on a second those that want to still go to Brett's garden parties and they still want to be able to hang out with the guy with the flashy shirts, right? How is he still an NHL owner in Nashville? That blows my mind. They said, well, he's just joking, everybody. Brett Wilson is just joking. And then he tweeted this. I didn't joke. I was serious about hanging foreign funded protesters, undermining our nation for treason. What would you like to do to them? So let me say this. David Suzuki, not cool, man. You can't talk about blowing up pipelines because somebody who sees you as Christ incarnate is going to take that as marching orders. They're actually going to do it. Jason Kenny, you don't have a leg to stand on. You haven't had a leg to stand on for months, even years. And the whole Brett Wilson thing, can we just cancel that guy already? Just kidding. We don't like to cancel people, right, Jason? Let me say this, for one of the very rare occasions where there's more than one person in our spotlight, I'd like all three of you to take a second and eat your words. Presented by Prairie Catering. Our friends at Prairie Catering want to remind you that there's nothing cooler than hosting your team or company's holiday party at the Art Gallery of Alberta. You ever seen it? It's absolutely unbelievable. And right now, they've just opened their in-room dining spot, a beautiful new restaurant called May. You can find it downtown Churchill Square at the Art Gallery of Alberta. And keep in mind, if, if your team's holiday party is being held remotely, they can facilitate that too. They cater big and small. And if you mention real talk there's special pricing you can learn more at prairiecatering.ca well how perfect to be able to roll in from supercharged environmental controversy and commentary into our next guest arno kopetsky is a well-known environmental journalist and author based out of vancouver his latest book is the environmentalist dilemma promise and peril in an age of of climate crisis he's just written a piece in the globe and mail we're going to get into in relation to these devastating bc floods it's a real pleasure to welcome arno kopetsky to the show thanks for making time for us and a good morning to you good morning ryan it's great to be here thanks for having me you bet in in your circles how how, how are the david suzuki comments floating is it pretty soon people are gonna start blowing up pipelines well, yeah we're setting we're getting our fuses all lined up and uh, getting ready out here to, to to lay into it we're just trying to figure out which one to start with actually. yeah no kidding i mean yeah. i think i think yeah. most people will say david suzuki's like 80 years old and he's obviously not giving marching orders and he obviously doesn't mean we should blow up pipelines but we have had people including from david suzuki's foundation saying ah it's like not the most productive comment and we should focus our attention in in a different area how do you manage the temperature what does your thermostat look like when it comes to dialogue around climate action oh i mean personally temperamentally i'm sort of a temperature lower i feel that uh this heightened bombastic uh, environment that we're in around this this stuff is not super helpful uh so you know when I, david suzuki's comments actually we sort of like chuckle and go yeah there there he goes that, that's day for you um I think if, if he could tone it down, maybe then I'm more worried about uh, Jason Kenney and those guys toning it down and, and maybe stopping trying to arrest folks for, for you know, launching inquiries and calling us eco-terrorists and foreign funded radicals. And the bombast is just insane coming out of there. Uh, let's have a look at what's going down because 
rain is coming down. As I speak, I'm looking out the window here. Uh, the, the next atmospheric river is, is, is rolling through Vancouver right now. Two more to come. I don't know if you guys are sick of that word yet, atmospheric river. but We're not sick um, about it at all. As a matter of fact, I want to ask you a little bit more about it. We, we're we're going to be, as we're talking to you, Arno, we'll be showing some images. I mean, most people will hear this on a podcast and we'll do our best to describe them. But, but people watching us on YouTube will be able to see, I mean, farmland, rural areas. I mean, some small communities absolutely devastated uh, by this flooding. Tell, tell us about the atmospheric river, about the phenomenon itself and why it's so relevant today and over the next number of weeks. Sure. Yeah. They used to call them pineapple expresses. It's not a new thing, but the intensity is of course more, it's actually pretty fascinating. There is a literal, literal river in the sky coming uh, basically from Hawaii and just charging straight, narrow, uh, straight over the coast here into the punching through to the inland. Uh, the last one that caused all these floods set uh, rainfall records from Victoria to Yoho National Park on the on the border of Alberta. So it was just a literal river in the sky that then dumped a uh, picture of a river just emptying uh, down onto the land. And uh, some of these rivers can hold as much water as the as the Mississippi. I was reading, um, and so that's why you get these these epic rainfalls. And with climate warming up, uh, the atmosphere can hold, you know, warm air can hold more water. So you get more water in these atmospheric rivers. So they're uh, increasing both in intensity and frequency. And that's why you have uh, these these legendary events that everybody got caught with their pants down, Brian. Nobody, nobody really, uh, you know, it rains in BC. We're used to rain. So we think, ah, oh, it's, it's raining again. It's flooding a little bit. We've had floods before, um, but nothing like this. And that's what people are Arno, there's I mean, the, the reconstruction here is I mean, let's be honest, and I hate to even say this, but but hundreds, if not thousands of square kilometers are still underwater. I mean, it's still very yeah. early in this, but people are already wondering yeah. about rail infrastructure and bridges and the Coquihalla and other major BC highways. And then there are big questions about how and where to rebuild and where to maybe take a lesson and and leave well enough alone. I, I don't know how realistic that is when you're talking about farms and, and, and entire communities. Pe- people have been telling me a little bit. Maybe you can provide some background on the, the history behind the community of, of Abbotsford and that entire Fraser Valley, a lake that was drained. I mean, it's essentially a floodplain risk. Where's your head at when it comes to the intelligent, intuitive, forward thinking, evidence driven way to rebuild? Well, that's a big question, right? Uh, so, you know, that the Abbotsford situation, that was a lake that was drained 100 years ago to make way for farmland. Uh, not the best idea. First Nations used to live there. They did not, they had stilts, stilted houses all around the lake and they had that lake taken away from them. They were shunted onto a reserve. They watched it drain and they're now they're kind of nodding and being like, yeah, what do you think was going to happen? So uh, maybe you know, what do you do around that? That is one, one example of a hundred of isolated events that have happened up like we're talking railway has been railways have been cut off uh destroyed every highway leading in and out of vancouver has been uh just basically monsters have taken bites out of them and it looks like they're tunneling through a mountain waterfalls bursting out of the mountains it is like the landscape has just come alive with flood and rain and mudslide um it's super dramatic how do you rebuild i was reading a really fascinating piece by patrick white in the globe and mail who was talking about the engineering change in in sort of paradigm of engineers where they used to you know when you're building a highway or a railway you used to say okay well what's the worst thing that's happened in the last hundred years and let's build according to that um but now they're realizing and this last week sort of drove this point home better than any amount of theory uh you actually can't use the past as a guide to uh engineering for Mm -hmm. uh challenges when you're building a highway you have to look at climate models what's going to happen in the next hundred years not just what happened in the last hundred years so uh they got to figure out you know that's how how you got to build your dikes that's that's how you got to rebuild your roads uh i'm not an engineer but they've got to protect them and and look at how do you like slope the mountain how do you dig out uh the mountain so that the, the road can be not washed away the next time this insane event happens um a huge part of the question here is forestry. Uh, Merritt was the town that got flooded. You know, I'll never forget last Monday uh, watching the reports come in. Okay, Merritt's got an evacuation alert right now. The waters are coming up. Oh, uh, Merritt's been evacuated now. 7,000 people got to go. And and then it was just under, you know, 10 feet of water, the whole town of Merritt. Um, The reason that happened, if you look at satellite imagery all around Merritt, that huge watershed has been clear cut in the last 20 years. And when you you take the trees away, uh, then the water just 
the, the mountains turn into water slides and the water just like races down to the river. Uh, it also tears chunks of dirt out of the mountainside. And, and so for industrial forestry is a huge part of the question of what's going on in BC and uh, not just BC, I would add. Uh, this is a national issue. Uh, Canada has basically replaced, you know, a third or so of our forests, uh, turned them into tree farms. Um, and those tree farms are super prone to fire and insect infestation. And then in where it's where it's a bit hilly or mountainous, then you've got floods. And uh, Alberta is not immune to that either. And, and neither is the rest of the country. We've spent so much time talking about forestry and logging in B.C. and on different fronts. I mean, you know, one of the friends of our show, photojournalist, I'm sure, you know, Andrew, Amber Bracken as well. One of uh, several people uh, arrested and detained over the past number of days at, at the Ferry Creek blockade. She's there working. She's covering it for the Narwhal. Um, Arno, I want to talk to you uh, in just a second uh, about the imagination opportunity you write about yeah. in, in the Globe and yeah. Mail. And and you're born and raised Alberta. I mean, you live in Vancouver, you're, but, but you get it on the Prairie Provinces too. And I want to I ask get you, you guys. I'm an Albertan. I'm in I'm BC. I live on both sides. Like, let's, let's talk. Let's <laughs> yeah, well, well yeah. we're all in this together. I know there's a lot of Albertans. I'm among them. We go, we don't want to have the both sides thing invoked when we're talking Alberta and BC. We're supposed to be neighbors on this one, but, but I want to get, <laughs> I want to get be. into, to the foreign funded investigate, the investigation into foreign funded climate oh, radicals yeah. and the whole nothing yeah. burger that that created in just a second. Yeah. We're talking to Arno Kopetsky right now. I want to remind you that at breatheoutdoors.ca, yeah, you can get yourself geared up for all of, I mean, everything, you know, from the, the boots and the footwear and the, and the socks and the, and, and the weather repellent gear, maybe the camp stoves, maybe the, the kayaks that you might need to get outside. You see, Breathe Outdoors is, is so much more than what you may have thought Campers Village to be. That's what they've been called since the 1960s. Their fresh rebrand right now looks absolutely amazing. And from November 25th through the 29th, that's today through November 29th, you can shop online or in-store some amazing Black Friday deals, including outdoor research at 25% off, Merrill at 30% off. What about all of the other deals that are coming up? Smartwool, 25% off. They make amazing socks. I can personally endorse those ones. Osprey at 20% off. I'm just reading from the long, long list. Tilly, the classic Tilly hat. What an amazing Christmas gift. 10% off right now. You can find them online at breatheoutdoors.ca or go see them in person. Our friends at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge want to remind you that the Ram 1500 per motor trend is the back-to-back to back triple jack truck of the year they've also got the best selection on the jeep lineup in the entire province at sherwood and st albert dodge you can shop their inventory online or go see them in person you can find them via the sponsors tab on our website and our friends at eden landscaping want you to know that even though we're heading into the winter months my little guy wyatt keeps reminding me dad we're not in winter yet we're still in fall dad well the work continues with eden landscaping it's not too late to get your family that gazebo they've always wanted what about a cover over your outdoor cook station amazing opportunities imagination your only limitation and that's when their team can kick in as well on the design side you can learn more about eden landscaping by checking them out online at landscapeedmonton.ca Arno Kopetsky is our guest. His latest book, The Environmentalist Dilemma, Promise and Peril in an Age of Climate Crisis. Arno, you wrote a great piece in The Globe, uh, published just a few days ago. People can check it out. The BC flooding isn't just a regional catastrophe. It's a warning that climate change is coming for everyone. I wanted to read a passage of that and then, and then have you take it from there. You say, the world's imagination at this point, I mean, climate change, a crisis of imagination, a failure to imagine both the consequences of runaway global warning, but also the possibility of a different future. We've finally reached a point where we don't have to imagine the former. Nature spells it out for us now, but what about the positive flip side? Imagine, you write, if Canada were to seize this moment and turn it into something truly radical. Now, the word radical is going to get a lot of people's attention. But what does your imagination look like when it comes to the, the end game of what action in Canada could look like? Oh, imagine if we could just blow up every pipeline in the land. Right? Arno, Arno yeah, no, we're going to all wind up on the front page now. I'm just trying to get you some publicity, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, I, I think in, in all honesty and, and genuinely, Ryan, I, uh, this the the thing that we're going through right now like you said it was it was very hard for a lot of people including myself including people who've been writing about climate change for years over a decade almost 20 years in my case um 
it is still shocking to see it arrive in this moment and it's hard to grasp and it is very surreal to see the thing that you've been thinking about and writing about and reading about and and imagining actually arrive it's sort of like when covid uh, struck. You know, I remember when COVID was still a, a, a virus in, in, in Wuhan and thinking, yeah, maybe it's a, maybe it's going to come this way. And then all of a sudden, boom, a, you know, a couple of weeks later, it seemed like overnight lockdown, every, the streets are empty, no traffic. That was very difficult to imagine, even though we knew it was coming. And then it arrived and it was weird as heck. Uh, and that's kind of how it is with climate change. As far as, so the, the scope of that is so you know, how do we deal with that? I, it's more than, you know, okay, we can imagine radical change in terms of let's, we got to, you know, stop expanding production in the oil sands. Let's not forget that the oil sands have quadrupled their production in the last 15 years or so, um, in spite of all the, uh, in spite of all the, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say whining, but I'm going to say whining from the UCP about uh, pipeline protesters and, and foreign funded radicals. Uh, they have been just exploding. So I think there's, it is not that hard to imagine radically decreasing production in the oil sands and radically increasing solar, wind, every kind of alternative uh, renewable energy that, that, you can, that you can imagine. I think it goes way beyond that. I think we're in the middle of, uh, you know, it's going to take decades going forward, but we have to reimagine the, the way that we live in so many ways. Um, it might, you know, Vancouver is rationing gasoline right now for the first time, uh, as far as I know, in this, in this city's history. Imagine rationing gasoline like we did in, I guess, World War II was the last time. Imagine a full, all of all economy, you know, economy-wide uh, downscaling in, in consumption. Imagine higher taxes on the wealthy, but perhaps most radically, imagine not wanting to consume so much stuff all the time and, and placing our excitement in... It's going to sound hokey when I say this, but imagine just like enjoying life for poetry and stories and friends and parties and things that are renewable and and not needing to consume and, and you know, have three cars and bigger houses and going traveling across the world five times a year if, if you, you know, and, and money. Um, this is a I really think it's sort of a spiritual revolution that that is that is required and it quickly gets into a sort of cultural value systems um, that go way beyond economic prescriptions of, well, we need to, you know, more renewable energy, better dikes, uh, fuel efficient, you know, electric cars and energy efficient homes and, and all those things. Um, I think I, I think you hit the nail right on the head there. It's it's about so much more than just the dollars and cents. It's about so much more yeah. than just the future of industry. You're asking each one of us. Uh, <laughs> you're talking right to me. Like I'm like I'm like I'm thinking like you know we have a family of three and like there's one bathroom and I'm like we need a bigger house and three <laughs> three cars and I'm like yeah, we have three cars and like all this Dude, stuff. I you feel know? you. I'm the same way. I live in a townhouse in Vancouver and it's like it's a little tight. I need yeah. a little bit more room. It'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. So we're you know I think we're all we're all in this together, myself included. I you know I would love to go to Hawaii three times a year. Um, I would love to have a couple cars. We have one car in our family. It's great. Sometimes I wish we had two. Um, and I live, you know, I'm upper middle, I'm a upper middle class white dude. Like I'm sitting at the top of the pile here, you know? Mm. Uh, uh, so I think this, this is a moment for all of us to, to look inside and, and it's where it's going to be hard. Um, but I, I also think there's, there's a way to look at this that is not just like, oh, sacrifice, time to do with less. I guess the good times are over. Um, I think there's a real moment here to, to see this as a, a actually a really good thing, because if you look at the levels of anxiety that are like skyrocketing through the roof for kids, people of all ages, this this crazy race of, of success and money and accomplishment. I just had dinner with a, with a high school teacher and he was saying that his kids are more anxious and stressed than ever about getting into university, like not even environmental stuff, just getting into university, succeeding, making money. Um, those kinds of things, I, I think we could shift away from that and it wouldn't be this big, sad, you know, oh, there goes my, you know, there goes my sweet truck that I can't drive anymore. It could be, oh, hello, a little more free time to spend with the people I love. I can go dancing more often. I can read more books. Um, I, pick your thing. I don't want to like say what you want to do, but there are plenty of sustainable uh, uh, behaviors that are super fun and fulfilling and, 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 and it doesn't need to be... Uh, I think a, a big problem with uh, the environmental message is, and I, I'm complicit in some degree, is, is it, it has a sort of dour, school marmy, 
good times are over vibe. And I'm here to change that and say we could party and enjoy our lives sustainably and and really have a good time. You had me at party. Uh, All right. Arno, I totally appreciate your very real talk on this and I look forward to welcoming you back to the show. Arno Kopetsky uh, is an environmental journalist. You can read his work a few days ago in the Globe and Mail and make sure you check out his new book, The Environmentalist Dilemma Promise and Peril in an Age of Climate Crisis. Arno, thanks for doing this and we wish you well. I mean, in all sincerity it feels like pithy, empty throwaway words, but all eyes are on British Columbia right now and uh, you know, it's hard thanks. to know what to yeah, say. Thanks, Ryan. We're in the thick of it, so uh, yeah. let's just uh, keep our eyes on it. You got it. That's Arno Kopetsky, uh, and encourage you to check out his book. Speaking of checking things out that are maybe, maybe like leaving smaller footprints, and, and including economically, I know a lot of people, it's a really expensive time of year, and you'd go, I can't afford to go to, like, the symphony. The Edmonton Symphony is back in action. Did you know that you can get into the Windspear Center to hear the ESO play for $25 a ticket? And... If you use the promo code REALTALK at windspearcenter.com, they're going to take an additional 10% off those tickets through till the end of November. Coming up tonight, tomorrow night, and the night after that, the ESO presents the Four Seasons and the Magic Flute. This concert features two of classical music's greatest hits. Due to popular demand, they added that third performance on November 27th. You can find out more at windspearcenter.com. All of their seats are properly distanced, and you can find out more details about the COVID-19 response. It's right there on the website, windspearcenter.com. Make sure you use the promo code REALTALK to save 10%. Our friends at Friesen Brothers this Christmas want you to let them help you and your family celebrate from their special catered meals, their delicious treats, maybe a perfect charcuterie board, their fresh Alberta sourdough produce. They've got everything you need for a tasty season. Don't miss out on their unique Alberta surprises in every department from their family to yours. Friesen Brothers wishes you a very Merry Christmas. Family owned and operated since 1955. Our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park want to put these blizzards on your radar. It's always a good time for a blizzard. Just ask my family. We love the Oreo Mocha Fudge. The Oreo Mocha Fudge Blizzard has those real Oreo cookie pieces. I just dig and dig until I find them all. The Choco Chunks and Coffee blended with their world-famous soft serve to blizzard perfection. There's also the Sea Salt Toffee Fudge Blizzard. It's hard to say no to Sea Salt and Toffee Fudge, isn't it? The Sea Salt Toffee Fudge Blizzard, it's just fun to say, blends salted toffee pieces, rich fudge pieces, and caramel topping with their world-famous soft serve. You can find those Dairy Queens at Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. Sarah Hoyles is, is always keeping an eye on the, on the stories, uh, the serious, the fun, the discouraging, the encouraging, and, and we wanted to turn our attention. I mean, we talked to her deepness the other day, National Geographic's Explorer in Residence, and we've got another story we're keeping a keen eye on this morning relating. Is it the Great Barrier Reef that we're talking about? What's going on there? This is a good news story. It is a good news story with some caution in there for good measure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the World Heritage listed natural wonder, the Great Barrier Reef just outside, just, you know, on the... on the shoulder of Australia. <laughs> so they were really worried that there was, well, there was uh, bleaching on the reef and they were worried, is this going to, you know, affect its ability to regenerate and survive? Yeah. Spawning is happening. There is <laughs> sperm and eggs all over the ocean. Okay, wait a second. <laughs> First of all, who's sperm? It's the coral reefs sperm. Okay. Yeah. But it's being spread by humans intentionally? No, dude. No, it's the natural wonder of the Great Barrier Reef. Well, what's causing it? It's something that happens every year, The but the scientists were really worried that it was going to stop happening because of the bleaching, and now they're seeing, they can't believe it, they are seeing a recovery phase that they haven't seen in a number of years. So they're really excited. They've got um, just community members saying, let us know where you're seeing all this beautiful, like it's beautiful colors, but it's really sperm and eggs. Let us know where you're seeing all the sperm in the water <laughs> so we can come sell it. Sorry, I'm being like 10 years old right now. Grow up, right? Grow up. 
So, but, but they, so this is okay. So, so I want to just, I feel like we should just cut it off now because you've told us all the good news story. And now we can go around our day being like, well, hey, at least with everything else going to hell in a handbasket, the reef is regenerating, which is great. Mm. But the, you, you mentioned, you did mention there is maybe a word of caution. So, what's the word of caution? Well, I mean, bleaching damaged two thirds of the reef. And what do we mean by bleaching? Can we get into that a little bit? Like, what causes it or why? Ultimately, is it it's the temperature of the water Got it. going up. And so, it's, it's changing how. The, the, what would you even say? Like, just e- the makeup. Yeah. Like, how it, the creatures and the reef, you know, what they're living in, the water they're swimming in, literally. And so, when you have that, it's looking at coral bleaching, um, unusually warm ocean temperatures in 2016, 2017. Yeah. And last year, they were like, I mean, it's also, you know, an organ of the planet. So, if this goes away, then what? Uh, so looking that we're having regeneration, we weren't sure if that was going to happen. That's very exciting. It is exciting. Especially, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But and it's always good to have the but. It's yeah. always good to have the, um, you know, sort of that that like keep this in mind element to good news stories. You know, um, I love this from Sharon says this is nature is its finest. She mm. says, I, I saw an article about the red crabs on Christmas Island. Very cool. I think we'd be talking about crabs and sperm, but here, here we, we are. are. <laughs> Science, everybody. Our friends at Local Waste coming up tomorrow are going to be providing an opportunity for for you to blow off a little bit of steam. Uh, Here's the thing. This is a special edition of Trash Talk coming up tomorrow. This is our edition of Mean Tweets. Many of you took the opportunity through our Y Station question of the week to trash talk me. And tomorrow I get to read all of them. And I'm actually really excited about it. The team at Local Waste has been family owned and operating for more than 25 years through Alberta and Saskatchewan. And they're constantly growing their footprint. More and more communities, it seems, with every passing month, certainly every year. They're in the game of construction, commercial and residential waste and recycling collection. If you need a bin, either temporarily or more permanent, they'd love to talk to you today. You can find them online at Local Waste. You know, we're always talking about our hashtag Real Talk RJ. It's your best way to get something on our radar if you're not going to send us an email that's powered and always has been by the team at Park Power. If you check them out online today, you can learn more about the Park Power Guarantee. That is, you will never be locked into a contract you're unhappy about. So whether you want to try out the fixed rate or the variable rate on your electricity, your natural gas, whether you want to learn more about internet provision, they want to make sure that you are a satisfied customer. It's what comes with being a friendly local utilities provider. Don't forget when you sign up, the promo code 2021-REALTALK gets you $70 off your first order. And with all this talk about the environment and and using our imaginations and, and maybe decreasing reliance on fossil fuels, we know for a lot of people it's a gradual transition maybe no better time to get the ball rolling at least on the thought experiment side of it by checking out kubienergy.ca it's solar energy solutions to power your life you can get a free quote or ask questions about what a solar setup might be able to do for you they're doing a lot of work on farms they do big warehouses and commercial complexes and of course a ton of houses as well with their head office in edmonton and their office in kamloops too western canada They've got a Kubi team ready to service all of your solar needs today. And don't forget Positive Reflections every Monday morning presented by our friends at Kubi. Coming up on tomorrow's Real Talk, we're going to continue our conversation about what British Columbia and the rest of Canada should be considering when it comes time to recovering and rebuilding from these floods, from these atmospheric rivers. What are some of the angles maybe we haven't considered? What are some of the lessons we've been reticent to learn? Where does our focus need to be? That's where we'll go tomorrow. We'll see you then. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Editorial producer, Sarah Hoyles. Technical producer, Sam Brooks. Managing Director, Josh Dunford. Account Coordinator, Tanya Franklin. Merchandise Operations, Katie Cook-Chivers. Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's Editorial Board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Julie Rohr, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis Settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated, 
all rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.